Welcome to episode 23 of the Leading in Legacy podcast from Concordia St. Paul. Today is Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. I'm your host, Billy Schultz. Today we interview a beloved member of the Concordia community, a leader in uh, so many ways in the way that she has uh, interacted with our community and uh, been an advocate for our students, and that is Dr. Cheryl Chapman. She's Concordia's outgoing executive vice president and dean of diversity. She served at Concordia for 20 years um, and is retiring now in June. We're so grateful that she took a few minutes of her time as she uh, prepares to uh, clean out her office and pack up um, and say goodbye to uh, her full-time work on the Concordia campus. Uh, We hope that this interview uh, gives you an insight into who she is and uh, the passionate person that she is uh, caring for all of Concordia's students. I am excited to be joined on Leading in Legacy by Dr. Cheryl Chapman, who is Concordia's uh, Executive Vice President and and Dean of Diversity. Thank you for being with me today. My pleasure. (laughs) So for our listeners who may not know you, uh, can you give a a little bit of your background, uh, your life before Concordia, who you are, uh, what you're passionate about? Yes, and I'll start... um with a few little personal life stuff and then move into kind of education and then work experience. I want to start out by saying um, I'm the youngest of six. And so I had these wonderful siblings who made sure that as a young child, as the youngest, I didn't think I could get away with anything I wanted to, or (laughs) they really helped keep me in line. So I thank God for all those siblings who, who didn't let me get away with things. And then I was real fortunate to blow, uh, grow up in a home with both parents. And so that was a blessing. And then I had this um, real strong extended family. Uh, we were intertwined and involved in each other's lives. And so that meant a lot. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to say about the personal life is that there were three women, uh, my mother, grandmother, and aunt, who were like the clear role models and just inspirations to, to me from birth until their death and only my aunt is still living today. Mm. So then just sort of to move into school, um, I'm so proud that I attended for undergraduate Mary McLeod Bethune College and now it's university. And there's so much rich history there and regarding Mary McLeod Bethune. So that's, that's just really an honor. And so finished my undergraduate there in a few years. And then I went to Iowa State, and I'm breathing hard because there's going to be a thread between my Mm. reaction to weather. So it was my (laughs) first experience, first experience with snow. Didn't know what I was getting into, but it was a great experience. Um, First time away from home. And so I appreciated what I uh, learned about weather. It prepared me. Everything is a building block. It prepared me for (laughs) Minnesota. (laughs) So. And then, you know, I ended up uh, going to graduate school where I got a job in North Carolina. So I worked at Winston-Salem State University. Uh, There I was uh, director of student life and also over judicial affairs. And those roles came really in handy for what I ended up doing here at Concordia. So so I, I had this custom of relating to students and planning for them and also helping to work through some of their problems. And then so from there, while I was there, I also worked um, at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, where I got my doctorate as a research assistant. And so 
finished there and then got married. Woo and then I was <laughs> able to uh, relocate to Portland, Oregon. And uh, there I was a principal for a school for teen moms. And that was an amazing experience and what I was able to do there. And while I was there, I also got my uh, superintendent certification. Mm. So administration and superintendent certification. So I was just keeping really busy. And then while we were there, uh, my husband got a call from President Hulse. He's good about finding people when he wants <laughs> good candidates. And so he talked us into moving to Minnesota. And so I don't know if many people know that my husband worked there over 15, well, over 25 years ago. Wow. And so while he was there, I was working at the University of Minnesota uh, with the Martin Luther King program, sort of a support system and advising program for um, students of color. So there, and then from there, went to ELCA. Um, again, followed my husband. <laughs> <laughs> so, so women will hear a, a trace in that. So followed him and then... Um, Ended up still working in uh, the headquarters of the ELCA. Mm. And the one thing that when you hear this whole history of where I've worked, I've been blessed to remain in education. Um, that was my goal, but I didn't realize that um, there wouldn't be an interruption. And so I planned conferences and so forth and uh, for administrators at the different Lutheran colleges. And I also served on some boards uh, during that time. So that's a longer life before then, but I'll stop there. Yeah. So then uh, 20 years ago, uh, you came to Concordia as uh, executive Pre vice president and dean of diversity. Uh, what was that experience like uh, getting the call or um, getting recruited, um, coming back to Concordia uh, for your family? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I really love telling this story because this was a good transition. I just mentioned that I worked at the ELCA and I worked with colleges and universities and planned conferences. Well, I used to attend the president's conference, um, LECNA, uh, Lutheran Education uh, Conference of North America. They would plan the president's conference every year. So I would attend those. And this particular year, President Host was there with Lynn. So we were just having a kind of casual conversation. And he was sort of like, yeah, so how are you and Kelly doing? And I said, well, we're doing fine. I'm trying to move to warmer climate. So, you know, I had moved from Minnesota to Chicago. So I'm like, I'm trying to move further south. So I remember President Host said, oh, this conversation is not getting off to a good start. He sort of said that under his breath. So, Come to find out later on, the reason he said that is because he wanted me to consider coming to Concordia to work. Um, I mentioned he doesn't sit around and wait for people to come to him. He he kind of goes after people. So he had this plan in his mind. So my comment didn't discourage him. And he asked me to think about it. And over a period of time, I did. I fasted and prayed about going back to cold weather. No. <laughs> about whether this was something to consider. So I came on campus, interviewed by the search committee and things like that, and then accepted. But it it was it was a choice. It was a decision that I felt like God. And the other thing that I 
like about this story, I remember praying months ago, God, use me. And I just kind of left that open. So be careful what you leave open for God <laughs> to fill it. But I should have said, <laughs> said, use me in warm climate. But that's what <laughs> I forgot to say. But I don't like to limit God. So, so that's what brought me back. And I guess my point I want to make here, too, is we have to be very intentional about reaching out where we think people are. Even if we have our own doubts about that, we need to allow God to use us and uh, lead us. Yes. Most definitely. So what is uh, your role? How do you, how do you describe what you do um, in this position that you're um, about to retire from? Right. Now that's, that's going to be an interesting one to uh, describe. So there are a couple of ways that I, I want to share that, but just, and try not to be too long. I'll have to say that to me, um, my main focus was students. And so some of what I'm going to share, my role to me involve all of that. Then I'll get to the other stuff that, that sometimes, yeah, is or isn't as much fun. So, you know, I had kind of jotted down some of the things. I don't always remember what I've done, but um, so I had kind of written that my working with students is like immersing myself fully in a pool rather than just dipping my toes in. So I, yeah, I was sharing that. It means interacting with and supporting them in as many ways and on as many levels as possible. So then I did a list of, I did things like, uh, I would go to student organizational meetings, all their regular meetings, their group activities, individual activities, class presentations, athletic events, dance, choral, and theatrical performances. I said, I've made hospital visits, attended baby showers, weddings, family funerals, family gatherings, graduation parties, sports events that felt family members might be in as well as students, <laughs> business ventures. I've been to some meetings where students are trying to start a business, um, community events and more. Uh, going to school performances and activities of their children uh, after they've graduated the alum. Um, I've accompanied students at annual conferences, guided and encouraged them to present and or participate in the conference in whatever ways and tried to um, model to do the same. I've also dealt with a lot of the students' hurts and pains and struggles, um, as well as celebrated their successes. I've tried to be an advocate for students because sometimes their voices, they didn't feel were heard. And I've had to do that, whether it be with faculty, staff, administrators, or board members. Um, I've tried to help students find options. Sometimes it's so easy for us to say, we've never done it that way, or no, that can't be done. So looking at what are other ways to explore. Um, I've had to deal with students who are homeless and been assaulted or abused or hungry. And I've become sort of a mother, grandmother, godmother figure. Not that I've asked for those titles and, and not leaning on those titles, but whatever ways that I thought that students needed me and so forth. And then I'll talk a little bit more about other parts of my role when I talk about some of the diversity work that needs to be done. But I I saw this role, um, you know, it was a combined role as an executive vice president. To me, a lot of that, the word representation, I felt like I did a lot of representation for the university across campus on different levels of planning meetings, search committees, um, 
other initiatives that we had, uh, diversity efforts, but I also did a lot in the community. I've mm-hmm. forgotten. Sometimes I go back and look at some of those old board reports and I'm like, really? When did I, <laughs> when did I find time to go to all these places and do all of this? But whether it's things with the mayor or the um, some initiatives that the mayors have done or um, whether it was some uh, community concern or issue that was going on, major events that we had on, on campus, going to those endless meetings like the ones at the Martin Luther King Day events. Um, mm-hmm. And then on campus, just tra- really trying to enlighten people to help um, not forget the gifts that everyone brings and how do we learn and educate ourselves more and how do we become more comfortable and more sensitive uh, to look at students as individual with individuals with unique needs and understanding how to meet those needs based on culture or ability or faith or age. And so just trying to help bring unity, harmony, uh, love, acceptance, all those kinds of things, trying to help people to, to see that diversity is something to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And and if I were to talk about, I was looking at some stats and so forth, and if we look at the diversity we have among our students, the percentage, how it's been such a growing rate. Um, I had uh, Beth do some stats to me, and it's almost like over 182 um, percent have been students of color. I mean, growth when we look over the last 19 years. Um, wow. And then when we look at uh, that was the percentage uh, of, of growth as you look at it each year, how much it's, it's improved. But when you look at the whole gamut of it, over 478 percent have been undergraduate students of color and 1392,392 percent increase in graduates. And then when I look at the religion, you know, Concordia mostly Lutherans, that only comprises less than 15 percent of our mm-hmm. students. So, you know, this statement is true to say we need diversity for CSP to uh, survive and to continue, and not just for the numbers, but for life preparation <clears throat> for students and our staff and faculty. So it's about how do we bring love, unity, education, um, and just not forget those things that are most important. So, yeah. Yeah. And you even found time uh, amidst all of your busyness to be a part of the gospel choir, too. I, I just, <laughs> one thing I really admire about you um, in knowing you both as a student and as a colleague um, has been just seeing your involvement um, in so many different things, um, being able to balance all of all of that scheduling and um, that commitment to Concordia uh, so well and so uh, gracefully, too. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. yeah, thank, thank you, you for sharing all the all that you've uh been a part of uh yeah. during your time um yeah i want to say gospel choir i'm still until we had to go home i was still a part of the choir we were, <laughs> keep, we're gonna keep that going until i left so we our numbers would increase and decrease but we it was still a a wonderful ministry to be a part of yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah so what have been some of the biggest changes you've seen during your tenure, both from kind of a, a higher level, but also in terms of, uh, you mentioned some of the numbers and diversity, but uh, yeah. in, in the diversity too, uh, specifically in that area. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, I did sort of jump the gun with talking about the numbers, but I'll say a little bit more about that. Um, so I wanted to start out saying I am really proud of the ways Concordia has structured and organized and operated under its mission, vision, and the promises, you know, to provide access opportunities um, to, as I mentioned earlier, this ever-growing diverse population. So broadly, Concordia, we know, has expanded dramatically in size by the programs it offers, the services, facilities where your office is housed, and financial stability. So there's been as I said, a dramatic increase in enrollment, and I just did go over those figures, so I won't repeat those again. Um, and so we really have to be, Concordia has to continue to be really diligent in how to retain and graduate these students, because it's great to get them here. And uh, so working on, again, the services that they need and um, making sure that we understand what their needs are and how to approach those. And of course, you know, the doctoral programs, there was back in 2000, we didn't have them at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and now we keep adding a new one. Um, so many more academic offerings have been great. Um, and Concordia has done a lot of restructuring in terms of the clustering of colleges and departments and things of that sort. Of course, technology, as we experience it right as we speak, <laughs> has, con has continued to play a key role in enhancing instruction and learning. And as I said, woo, people could just say amen because without technology right now, I don't know where we would be. We would yeah. be up the creek, okay? <laughs> Concordia would have to be reimbursing tuition. I mean, I don't, mm -hmm. correspondence, I guess years ago, they, well, they did this correspondence kind of way. I mean, it's still correspondence, but they used to do the mail-in stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it would be it would be a little different. It would be much harder. So students better not complain too much, but, but I do worry about students and making sure that they have all the resources that they need. Situations are different for different homes. And so we just hope that students reach out if there are ways in which it's it's in, interfering with them being successful. And then, you know, I have to give a shout out to all the programming and the student activities. They're always so in, innovative and engaging. And I could go across the campus and mention all the wonderful things, offices. I'm not going to even make, mention one because I never want to leave people out. But <laughs> You know who you are, but they are doing amazing things and helping students to be more involved in um, developing leadership, the study abroad, expanded service learning. All of those things have been great. And of course, we have, you know, I mentioned all of these things, so I'm just elaborating on all of them. So with the facilities, I mean, since 2000, now we have this contemporary residence hall where students can live all year, feel more like apartment style. Uh, there's the wonderful library. There are great stories about funding that came in and all of our great donors making it happen to even have the second floor of the library completed mm -hmm. before we knew it was going to happen. Our stadium, all the things that can happen there with uh, all the students, not only for our students, but for the community. It's just amazing. And then all the renovation and things that are done on the campus just to keep things beautiful and uh, more inviting for students to live. And then our assets, uh, the financial piece, um, have improved so much because there were times where layoffs and those kinds of things, we still don't know what the future is going to hold, but there were times where those were 
were more days of reality than not. And so mm -hmm. some of the innovative efforts like tuition resets and things like that was always great to help the university net assets get over 50% and so forth. And I like the fact that, you know, we have a promise statement, something that we say to students, this is what we're going to commit to do to you, for you, and that kind of thing. And that helps us to kind of achieve the goals and the fact that we've been able to achieve our strategic goals. So all of these things have been so much progress and things that I've just been blessed and just thankful to be able to observe and experience. Yeah, it's it's such a gift to to be at a place that is constantly growing and innovating, changing um, to meet the needs of, of the people that we serve. And um, you've had a front row seat for for so many cool things over the past 20 years. Yeah, that's true. And this is fun doing this with you too, as a student from a student's perspective, and then now as a staff person. So and it's just, I want to just say while we're on podcast, I'm enjoying being able to see your face. Uh, and just, uh, this, this is just an enjoyable conversation we're having. Yeah, yeah. So cool. I love being able to, uh, in this physical distancing, to have that face-to-face interaction with yeah. people you're used to seeing in person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So. Yeah. So um, as we look forward uh, to the future, uh, how can CSP continue to grow in its understanding of and its work in the area of diversity? Yeah. Well, I'm definitely glad. I'm glad you've asked all these questions and I really appreciate this one as well. You know, I'm just going to start out and say that, um, you know, I appreciate Concordia's, uh, you know, honoring me with the Diversity Center and so forth. But I don't want that to be, I want the focus to really be on the center. I want to say something just quickly about that. I hope that the center is a representation of Concordia, Concordia's commitment uh, to the presence, uniqueness, gifts, and contributions of every individual who enrolls, serves, interacts with, or supports Concordia. Um, my hope is that the center is a reminder and a demonstration of God's love, openness, acceptance, unity, harmony among CSP family and community. And so when it comes broadly to the um, diversity work overall, um, it's really designed to encourage students and employees to, to learn about, engage in, and celebrate the backgrounds and cultures of everybody, all people, mm -hmm. and to provide better opportunities for greater understanding, advocacy, and relationship building. Um, the center and the diversity work will hopefully continue to provide activities and programs. And collaboration is so key because this is not a isolated, none of our units are designed to act alone. So no. collaboration, collaboration is key for everybody. And so we get that in the work and the field of diversity as well. So um, we want that to happen. But here's something I want to just bring up as a reminder. Um, you may not have been around when I did. Well, even, oh, I think I said this when they did the dedication for the um, Diversity Center. I told people, okay, don't focus on the name because uh, <laughs> it was always funny. Pastor Gundaman always used to like to play with my long name. Cheryl Trotman Chapman Diversity Center. Yeah, CDCDD, he would say the initials. He could just Everything needs an acronym. <laughs> I, 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 he was just, yeah, he was just like in the tease. He thought it was so funny, and I, I thought, let's just focus on some of these initials. So my initials are CTC, Cheryl Trout, Troutman Chapman. 
So what I said during that time is I want the CTC to do this, to remind people to come together, Concordia. Ooh, mm. and that, I like that. Don't you like that? Hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when you, if you want to think about my day, think about coming together. And then I did some elaboration on, on what coming together. It's just, it's not as simple as, oh, let's just come together. But I wanted Concordia to come together to listen to each other, to exchange opinions, perspective, ideas, fears, inhibitions, all that. I wanted Concordia to really examine their own or our own biases and behaviors toward individuals, uh, classes, groups, or belief systems. I wanted Concordia to come together to learn more about things that they don't really get yet and sometimes don't want to get. You know what? And then sometimes they just don't understand or not ready to accept it. I want Concordia to come together to take action against hatred and bigotry and injustice mm -hmm. and oppression, to discuss what's positive about that's happening at CSP, the wider community and the world, and then to see what needs more time, more understanding, more compassion, more love. So I wanted Concordia to come together because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so anyway, so I pulled I pulled a couple of things from from that. I just thought let's just relive that. So so those were my thoughts then. That's what I still believe. Um, the work that lies ahead of us. We're still not there, but we want to give credit for the progress we've made. But we don't want to lament in that, or not lament, but we want to wallow and just say, oh oh, we we're really doing just great. So that's all we have to do. We don't want to become mm -hmm. complacent about that. So at the same time, we need to continue to work towards some of these things that I just said. We we don't really admit to some of the truths that are in our hearts and souls and minds. And uh, the heart is just so key. And if we don't open our heart and be willing to even be wrong, different, and it does, it's not even a matter of right and wrong so much. It's a matter of that's your preference and mine and how can we hear each other but not make each other feel like Yours is less than mine, or mm -hmm. yours is yours is the wrong way, and you're going to hell or whatever. So, anyway, so that's that's what that's the way I see uh, part of my work and the work of diversity, but how all of us need to be involved mm -hmm. and the diversity plan that we developed. Um, that's you know, hopefully that can still be implemented in the future, but um, we still we still struggle with simple words like celebration like equity, like inclusion. Um, mm -hmm. Those are not a part of our diversity plan title, but it's really, it should be, and it's what the work is about. Uh, equity, equity doesn't mean you're going to get less for me more, but it means I recognize that you're starting at a different point, whether it's based on income, whether it's based on faith, and what can we do to help uh, equalize things to a point where students can kind of either do the catch up or some people may have more funds than others. That's why we provide scholarships. So it's just a way of leveling the play playing field. So anyway, I won't go out and get me started talking about diversity. <laughs> that's why you're on here. <laughs> yeah, that's what I love. That's yeah. my life. That's me. That's all of us. Y'all hear that out there? That's all of us. Everyone matters. Okay. And whoever has needs, let's address those needs in whatever way matters. Okay. All right. I'll pause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like just thinking about that vision of Concordia coming together 
you've done so much in your work and encourage others. Um, and, and I feel like Concordia is really set up to keep that going. Um, there are people who are championing that in, in their work. Um, and it's, and it's exciting thing to think about going forward, what that looks like, uh, the next, you know, 20, 40, 60 years. So, um, yeah, yeah, thank you for sharing your heart and your vision in that. Yeah, thank you. I'm just enjoying this conversation with you, Billy. <laughs> yeah, same, same. So in general, do you have any uh, future hopes for Concordia? Yep, yep, I do. And so I'm going to do it in two different ways. So so I did kind of write down some notes here about, um, we all know that preparing, supporting, and leading students toward their success is the reason we're all here. And I thank God for having the honor of being able to assist and support students and hopefully one of the most beneficial and rewarding experiences that I hope that they can have in their lives uh, with, with the work of all of us, not just me. Uh, I hope that each employee continues to take the opportunity to be used by God to reach out, model, accept, and equip students for life, career, and what I like to think of as an unimaginable future, which I feel like my experience at Concordia has been. I think CSP needs to continue, as I already mentioned, examining some challenges and ways of making students really feel acceptance, uh, accept it, and so to strive for uh, equity inclusion and for for everyone, for all the students who matriculate. Um, and we still have to think about this as far as staff and faculty as well. Uh, I think Concordia is a blessed university, so. We just need to keep in mind that sometimes the most uncomfortable, inconvenient, or unconventional ways and situations can lead to God's greatest opportunities for growth and positive mm-hmm. change. Um, so I kind of did a list the things that I'm going to wrap that question up with, but let me just go ahead and add this that, yeah, I'll just do it this way. I did it like a more or less, a more and less. Mm-hmm. And so if I were to summarize what I think, I think Concordia needs more education about diversity. I think it needs more acceptance, more openness, more listening, more hearing, more truth. I feel like we need less rigidity, less resistance, less judgment. Wow, we we all are so guilty of that. Less piety, less hurtful uh, comments or actions and so forth. Of course, more love, more understanding, more faith, more peace. And um, I just, yeah, I just think if we if we don't want to listen to long and long lengthy words, just remember more and less mm-hmm. as we're going through situation. How can I demonstrate more love and patience than less judgment and uh, superiority, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so those were those were kind of some thoughts I had on that. Um, yeah, I think I won't elaborate any more than that. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. So, what are you most most looking forward to about your retirement? <laughs> what are your plans? Okay, I uh, I'm gonna summarize this in a way. I was doing some questions for another uh, situation too, but I'm calling it the three P's. <laughs> I'm gonna do the three P's. I have to put first on the list because there's a great need for that purge. Mm. I'm going to be purging my house. It's uh, <laughs> 20 years. Oh, yeah, we've been here 20. Uh, you accumulate a lot. <laughs> and I'm a 
very sentimental person. Anybody who's been to my office, which you have, mm-hmm. is very filled with things. Uh, I I say it's filled with love. Some people might say you got a lot of junk in here, but <laughs> it's it's junky love. <laughs> and so I got to start purging my office first. That's going to be really emotional. So that's going to put me into in, in, into uh, practice. But the main thing is um, I'm going to take my time and do a year of that. The second P is going to be for persist. And um, I'm going to maintain the current boards that I'm on. I'm an officer for a couple of them, members, uh, NAACP, Association of Black Women Higher Education, Arts Us. Um, everybody's in. I just So these organizations, they're all about, again, working toward individual um, needs and this, especially this everybody's in organization that tries to help people to see that everyone is an educator. You don't have to go to college. You don't have to a degree. It doesn't matter your age, color, race. Everyone is an educator. And so how do we get people engaged in that? So I'll continue to do those community events, uh, activities, uh, that things, celebrations within the community. So I'm still going to be on the go and busy. The last, <laughs> the last P stands for propose, but I almost had it as purpose, but I wanted to make sure they were all verbs. So I had to say propose, but what I'm going to do is propose that if anybody needs to use my time as a godmother, grandmother, God, I didn't birth any children, but God gave me kids from through Concordia. And um, I'm going to propose that if they need a break and need time away or whatever, they can bring them to grandma's, well, they call me Gigi, oh, so, so they can bring them to Gigi's house. I also will make myself available for anyone in a needy situation, whether it's um, elderly or whether it's um, some place here where I can volunteer, you know, in a home or something like that. So I'm going to propose that people take advantage of my time, but not, but only to a limited amount. Mm Because people like to say, oh, he or she is retired, so they have time. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I'm going to, Fulfilled, but there's going to be purpose in that. And so I love that word purpose. We all have one. And I feel like I was brought here for a purpose. And I just, like I said, I wanted to just really emphasize that I really felt called to come to Concordia. Um, and when you're called and you respond, God's going to use you in powerful ways that you can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, some yeah, of it is so rough too. Yeah, some of it gets to be rough, but. He'll be there for you, you know, but then you get to meet wonderful people like you, Billy. Look, I got out the deal. (laughs) So so anyway, those are my those are my simple plans. Just keep the P's going. Yeah, well, um, I'm going to add a fourth P that we're all, you know, I'll personally pray for you in your retirement, encourage, you know, all of all of our uh, alumni and our Concordia community to pray for you and give thanks for you uh, for the work that you've done in your career, but that you would just enjoy the these years of retirement that, you know, God is still using you in, in so many wonderful ways. And uh, yeah, we're just so grateful for you. 
Oh, I love that. You know what? I'm, I'm going to change that now. I'm going I'm to make it five P's. And thanks to you, I'm going to add <laughs> prayer and praise. Okay. Because I'm going to be praying and praising God doing the two. So, so we I've now made extended my retirement to five P's. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for the prayers. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I need it. I need prayer this last month because wrapping up is going to be very emotional. But I'm going to try to be a big girl and not cry too much. No, it's totally fine, I think. <laughs> yep, yeah. So thanks to everybody who have done anything to help in my career, all the supporters, all the allies. I have to give a shout out to the diversity, uh, to the care committee who I've always had. I used to have a diversity, I mean, a reality team, a dream team, a reality team, and a care team. So I appreciate all of them and every single person on campus for all they've done to help me and the students, because it's all about the students, but helping me help the students. I love that part. So, yeah, for sure. And thank, yeah, thanks for taking this time to uh, have this conversation with me and a, a good way for me to kind of try to bring some closure to my wonderful uh, life and time at Concordia. Well, you're so welcome. And uh, thank you for, for spending time with, with uh, us on the podcast today. Uh, just really grateful for your stories and, and uh, again, the gift that you are to the Concordia community. We're so grateful for the work that Dr. Chapman has done at Concordia and pray God's richest blessings on her and her husband, Kelly, as they uh, together enter this new phase and season of life. In two weeks, we'll have an interview with alum Kevin Olson, master's graduate from 2009, who's had a great uh, Concordia experience, uh, both as a student um, while serving in the National Guard, as well as now an adjunct faculty and uh, supporter of Concordia students. Thank you for listening to the Leading in Legacy podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and have a blessed day. Mm-hmm.